Well, welcome back to A Step Further. Um, we are in our final series of the Days of Noah. And I'd just like to thank all of my new friends here that are listening in. And those of you who have subscribed to my podcast, I just want to thank you so much for that. Um, what a blessing that is. And just to see, you know, that this word is getting out there for people to hear. Um, I don't expect you to agree with everything I say. And um, if anything, I would just expect you to take it and and maybe study for yourself. See what's what it's all about. See what's happening and see, you know, for yourself what the Bible says or, or whatever. Pray about it. Meditate on it. And uh, don't be afraid to fact check me. Um, I'm as human as the rest of us. And um, <clears throat> even though I, I'm not even going to say I might seem perfect because I, you can just know me for about two seconds and go, yeah, he's not perfect at all. <laughs> um, so yeah, definitely fact check me. And which brings me to this message. This message is all about something that's you know, there's different ideas about what to believe on this. And um, the reason we're bringing it up is because it is part of what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 24. So they had asked him, you know, hey, what was, what was the big idea? What, what's, what's going on? What's, what's going to happen when you come back? And Jesus says, well, when I come back, you know, this is, and he begins to talk about all the things, you know, that they can expect to see in the world, things that are going on in the world. And um, then he goes on to say, it's going to be like the days of Noah. So this is why we did this whole series, this, the whole idea about it's going to be like the days of Noah and people are going to be eating and drinking and marrying and they're not going to know what hit them. The flood's going to come and sweep them away and it's going to take them by surprise. Well, the problem, and, and when you look back, the problem is this, that there was so much corruption. Going, otherwise, God would not have had to destroy the earth, right? If things were just normal and okay, it's not like God just went, oh, you know, I think I'm going to, you know, send a flood and wipe people away. And let's just start over just, just for funsies and see what happens. Yeah, no, that's not going to, that's not going to happen. That's not what that's about. There was so much corruption and so much evil going on in the world that God found one, one family who was righteous and told that, build him an ark. And listen, what was so interesting about it is God gave um, the people so much time because it took Noah quite a few years. To, I think Noah was 500 when God told him about there was going to be a flood coming or there was going to be, you know, he wasn't going to strive with man for much longer. And by the time Noah entered the ark, I believe he was 600 years old. So you figure it's about 100 or better years that it took Noah to get this ark built. That's a lot of time, you guys, for the people of this earth. Is God giving people time to repent? They're seeing what is happening, and, and he's giving them time to repent, and they just wouldn't do it. They didn't understand that this stuff that's going on right now, this is not... This is not normal, but for them it became normal. And that's why the Bible says, you know, they were eating, they were drinking and married. They weren't giving a care to the world itself and what was going on. It just became a part of normal life. I think the, the good thing about the reality is, is that we can look around and go, yeah, things are pretty messed up in the world today. And it's not normal. It's, it's become so 
it's it's shifted in such a sudden manner uh, that you know we can go. This isn't this isn't normal. There's just something that's not right. Uh, even if you're not a believer, even if you don't believe in Jesus, even if you don't believe in God, it's it's not hard to look at the world and go. There, there's been quite a shift within the past handful of years, and that shift really again it's it's happened so suddenly. So we have that going for us, but I think as time passes, it, if we're not careful, that can become such a normal life. Like this is just normal life, and it's okay. We're just going to continue to eat and drink and be merry. You know, um, they've been saying Jesus is going to come back for years. Well, he's not coming back. I mean, it hasn't happened, obviously. And you know, well, they it, it tends to bring us into questioning even the existence of God or even a higher power you know, whatever that may be. Um, so it just becomes part of normal life. And, and we just become so desensitized to what's been going on that we just go, well, we're just going to eat, drink and be merry and, and whatever happens, happens. And um, it's not the attitude I think that we should be taking for sure. And I think that we should always be on guard. We should always be ready for, for what's to come. I mean, tomorrow's a new day and, we, if if the world has shifted to where it is so suddenly, then what's the next shift going to be? And if we're not careful, it will come right before our eyes and in the twinkling of an eye. And I think that this should should be a wake up call for us to to say we don't know what's next, we don't know what's coming. So we need to prepare our hearts, we need to prepare our minds for just about anything because you know this is real and this is reality and and um if we do believe in Jesus and we do believe that he is coming once again well maybe this is a wake up call to say the hour could be very very near it could be you know it's it's hard not to look and go you know geez he might be coming back soon i mean it's certainly looking like the days of noah um <clears throat> But so Jesus talked about the days of Noah, and and really, I think that while we don't know the day or the hour that that Jesus is to return, um, I think we can see the seasons that we're in. We can see just like when the trees begin to change um, in color, their leaves begin to change in color. You can know fall is coming, um, and. Uh, Kind of, you can look out in the and you know, outside even today. It's it's September 11th, and you know the trees have been starting to change colors now for weeks, and so it seems a little early. But fall is definitely around the corner. The the weather's changing. Um, you can just feel it. You can feel that the seasons are shifting, and so um, regardless of when that happens, you can feel that 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 time is coming. So we can we can know the seasons that we're in spiritually speaking. We can we can sense the changes. We can sense the um, climate change, the spiritual climate change. We can we can sense the the shifting going on, and and uh, so we can know the seasons. And it certainly looks like the days of Noah out there. And um, so what did what did the days of Noah look like? Well, there was lawlessness, and then there was corruption, and there was people on this earth who who were the product of unhealthy unions, um, uh, unions that God did not ordain. You know, we talked about the Nephilim. We talked about the sons of God. Um, 
having their way with the daughters of men. We've, we've, we talked about all of those things. And uh, this time now, I want to talk to you about, it's a topic that's really hard because there's, again, there's just a lot of teaching out there. There's a lot of different teaching out there as to what to believe. Is there, and that's the rapture. So is there a rapture? Is there a time when God redeems mankind from the earth and then uh, all that's left is evil in this world? And a lot of evangelical Christians will believe in a rapture. A lot of traditional Christians, maybe not so much, but... It is very, 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 very popular among evangelical Christians. And it's that mindset has kind of infiltrated Christianity. And so the probably the general consensus among Christian belief is that there will be a rapture of some sort. But I want to actually take the time to challenge that. Now, in this message, um, I'm not saying that I'm right. All I'm saying is, is I'm going to offer this different idea. This is more along the line of what I believe personally. And and I'm going to give you some scriptures to um, sort of dive into. And, and really, we'll dive into them in this message, but take time to dive into them. And then I want to give you a little take home about regardless of what you believe, um, what, what really this can mean for you. So if you didn't make Sunday morning's message uh, or you haven't watched Sunday morning's message, we're going to kind of dive back into that just a little bit and, and dive a little bit deeper into it as we do here on this podcast. And then um, I want to give you that same take home that we had on Sunday morning. So if you miss Sunday, um, don't worry. We'll, we'll get you caught up to speed. And, and hopefully this will cause you to actually dive a little bit further for yourself, further than even this podcast, further for yourself, just to kind of see, you know, is this thing real? Is it not real? You know, what do I believe in it? What don't I believe in it? And we'll see where we get from there. So to kind of open this up, and let me actually, I'm going to type it in here. Um, let's see, First Thessalonians, if I can type. First Thessalonians 4. And we're going to go to, let's see, I'm going to use the New American Standard Version. It's what I used to, to preach from. That's the translation I use. Um, sometimes when I'm studying, I use Complete Jewish Bible or Tree of Life Version. Um, again, it kind of gives the Hebrew, sort of a more Hebrew um, backing to it, which really Hebrew is at the, the foundation of our faith. So it's sometimes important to understand it from a Hebrew text, from a Hebrew mindset. So, okay, First Thessalonians 4 from the New American Standard. And we're going to go into verse 13. And we'll read it to the end of the chapter. Five verses, and it says, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve, as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Now, catch that. And uh, hold on to that for just a minute. So for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. 
Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so that we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Okay, so this is the scripture that we typically use to talk about a rapture. Now, here's the thing. Um, There's really no biblical foundation even for this verse to say that this is a rapture. This is talking about the actual second coming of Jesus. So when he comes with the with the shout of the archangel, with the trumpet sound, um, you know, the whole world's going to know that this is Jesus coming. This is what we're talking about. Jesus is coming. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and then those who are alive will, will then go and we'll all meet together in the air. Now that's what that's talking about. So... There are other scriptures that we use, and, and Matthew 24 speaks of it. I'm um, going to try to go to there. Now, Sunday, I couldn't find it, so I'm going to spend just a minute and look for it a little bit better. But I know it's in Matthew 24, and it talks about how um, it will be like the days of Noah. And it's verse 36. Gosh, that was so easy today. I don't know why I couldn't do it Sunday. It says, When that day and hour will come, no one knows, not the angels in heaven, not the Son, only the Father. For the, for the Son of Man's coming will be just as it was in the days of Noah. Now, again, we're talking about the actual second coming. We're not talking about a a, a rapture during, before, during, or after tribulation. We're talking about the actual second coming of Jesus here. It says, for the, for the Son of Man's coming will be just as it was in the days of Noah. Back then, before the flood, people went on eating and drinking, taking wives and becoming wives, right up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they didn't know what was happening until the flood came and swept them all away. It will be just like that when the Son of Man comes. Then there will be two men in a field. One will be taken and the other left behind. There will be two m- women grinding flour at, at the mill. One will be taken and the other left behind. So stay alert because you don't know on what day your Lord will come. But you do know this. Had the owner of the house known when the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and not allowed his house to be broken into. I always wonder why he threw that in there. Well, because the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Just That's what Satan, that's who Satan is. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and that's the thief. It says, but you, had the owner of the house known when the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you too must always be ready, for the Son of Man will come when you are not expecting Him. So, that scripture, there's two in the uh, two men in the field, one will be taken, the other left behind. Two women grinding flour at the mill, one will be taken, the other left behind. Uh, and then he says to stay alert. So, now we've used this to talk about a rapture too. And in fact, you can watch the movie Left Behind if you wanted to, and you could see uh, that same concept taking place. And left behind is all about a rapture of, of believers. So when we're reading this, though, we have to kind of get into context here. And I really like Luke's version of this. And, and Luke's gospel says the same thing. Talk, he's, this is the same uh, conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples. And we're going to go to Luke 17. By the way, that was in the complete Jewish version, complete Jewish Bible version. And so will this one be too. But you read it in yours and see what you come up with. 
Luke 17 says this, and this is verse 26. It says, Also at the time of the Son of Man, it will be just as it was the time of Noah. People ate and drank, and men and women married right up until the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was in the time of Lot, people ate and drank, bought and sold, planted and built. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. That is how it will be on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, if someone is on the roof with his belongings in his house, he must not go down to take them away. Similarly, if someone is in the field, he must not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Lot's wife was the one who looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Side note. Whoever aims at preserving his own life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will stay alive. I tell you, on the night that, on that night there will be two people in one bed, one will be taken and the other left behind. There will be two women grinding grain together, one will be taken, the other left behind. So they asked him, this is what's not in Matthew, but they asked him, Lord, where? In other words, if, if two men are going to be um, laboring, one of them is taken, one of them left behind. If two people are in a bed and, and one of them is taken, one of them left behind. If, if two women are grinding together in, in the field and one is taken, one is left behind, well, then where are these people going who are being taken? That's what, that's what they're asking. Where are they going? And he says, where there's a dead body, that's where the vultures will gather. So he's talking about a death that's going to occur. These people who are being taken away, it's a death that's going to happen. And that's what Jesus was talking about. And so now I'm thinking, you know, maybe it's not scary to be left behind. Maybe it's scary to be the one taken out of this world. Do I, do I want to be the one taken out of this world? Because if that's the case, then then... How do I, you know, how do I, I don't want to be the one taken out of this world if it means that, that that's death. That's where I'm at. So how can I know? How can I know that that's what he's talking about? I've got another reference for you. And it's in Matthew 13. Jesus is talking about different parables here. And it's funny because he tells parables to all these people who have no clue what he's talking about. And Jesus has to even explain it to his disciples. But he talks about um, the wheat and the tares. So the, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who... So this is verse 24 in Matthew 13. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while people were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat, then went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads of grain, the, wheat, the weeds also appeared. Well, the, others, sir, the owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, don't you sow good seed in your field? Where have the weeds come from? And he answered, An enemy has done this. The servants asked him, Then do you want us to go pull them up? But he said, no, because if you pull them up the weeds, you might uproot some of the wheat at the same time. Let them both grow together until the harvest. Now catch this. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers to collect the weeds first and tie them in bundles to be burned, but to gather the wheat into my barn. Uh, Then he goes on to talk about other parables. um, And finally he says, 
Uh, again, let me find it real quick. Finally, he says, uh, Indeed, nothing said to them without using a parable. This was to fulfill what has been spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables, and I will say what, what has been hidden since the creation of the universe. He left the crowds and went into the house, and his Talmudim, or in uh, English his disciples, approached him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. So this this must have been something that really stuck with them because he he went on to talk about other parables too but but they were really stuck on this whole um, parable of the weeds in the field. So he said, "The one who sows the good seed is the son of man." This is verse thirty seven, and then verse thirty eight: "The field is the world. As for the good seed, these are the people who belong to the kingdom, and the weeds are the people who belong to the evil one." The enemy who sows them is the adversary. The harvest, here we go, is the end of the age. And the harvesters are angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned up in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. Okay? The Son of Man will send forth his angels. This is verse 41. The Son of Man will send forth his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom. They will collect out of his kingdom... Again, they will collect out of his kingdom, the Son of Man's kingdom, all the things that cause people to sin and all the people who are far from Torah, far from the law. And they will throw them into the fiery furnace where people will wail and grind their teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let him hear. And he went on to talk about how, you know, the kingdom of heaven is like this, the kingdom of heaven is like this. And he says, one other time, he says, once more, the kingdom of heaven is like a net thrown into the lake that caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen brought the net up onto the shore, sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad fish away. So it will be at the close of the age. The angels will go forth and separate the evil from the from the, among the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace where they will wail and grind their teeth. Now, we can see in Revelation, so I know a lot of Christians don't like to dive into Revelation. I am not afraid of diving into Revelation because I think Revelation is very, um, it's very allegorical, which means that there's a lot of things, a lot of imagery that's being used to tell a, a more of a deeper meaning. Um, so I'm not afraid of it when it talks about beasts. I'm not afraid of it when it talks about you know certain things that are going to happen. Um, it's, it's very allegorical. However, it doesn't mean that the things that are going to happen aren't bad. They're, they for sure are going to be bad. And, and how we experience them is going to be very scary, I think. Um, However, I'm not afraid to dive into it, and I'm not afraid to... When you study the rest of the Bible, uh, it kind of makes revelations make a little bit more sense. And and so there are some some key factors in studying revelations that we kind of... If we're ever going to study revelation, which I would love to, uh, by the way, if you're in the, in the area, in the Ayersville, Ohio area, I would love to... Um, just so you know, I would love to start a study on Revelation and really dive into it from a, a practical biblical standpoint instead of, you know, everything that we've been taught in the past. Uh, so anyway, that's that was a side note. It was free. Uh, Revelation 14, I want to take you there. And it talks about the fall of Babylon the Great. And we're talking about spiritual Babylon. Again, an allegory. 
Um, and it talks about how the angels came in, in, well, I'm just going to dive into it. We'll start with verse 9. This is another angel. The third one followed them. Uh, and we're talking about the angels who have, have already been shouting out about you know fearing God and then talking about how Babylon the Great has fallen. So a third angel comes along and says, Follow them and said in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in its image and receives the mark on his forehead or on his hand, he will indeed drink the wine of God's fury poured undiluted into the cup of his rage. He will be tormented by fire and sulfur before the angels, the holy angels, and before the Lamb. And the smoke from their tormenting goes up forever and ever. They have no rest day or night, those who worship the beast and its image, and those who receive the mark of its name. This is when perseverance is needed on the part of God's people, those who observe his commands and exercise Yeshua, Jesus, his faithfulness. So that right there leads me to believe that there are going to be believers on this earth during the time of of this beast, the image, the mark, all of the things that we, we tend to talk about and fear. Um, it sounds like those are going to be out there and, and we're going to be around, believers are going to be around in that time. So that's, again, another clue there. But that's not what I want to really focus on. He says, next I heard a voice from heaven saying, write, how blessed are the dead who die united with the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, now they may rest from their efforts for the things they have accomplished follow along with them. Verse 14, then I looked and there before me was a white cloud. Sitting on the cloud was someone like a son of man with a gold crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Another angel came out of the temple and shouted to the one sitting on the cloud, start using your sickle to reap. Because the time to reap has come. The earth's harvest is ripe. The one sitting on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the earth was harvested. Another angel came out of the temple in heaven, and he too had a sharp sickle. Then from out of, from the altar went yet another angel who was in charge of the fire and called out in a loud, loud voice to the one with the sharp sickle, Use your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of grapes from the earth's vine, because they are ripe. So... The, the angel swung his sickle down onto the earth, gathered the earth's grapes, and threw them into the great winepress of God's fury. The winepress was trodden outside the city, and blood flowed from the winepress as high as the horse's bridles for 200 miles. So here's what we're talking about. Remember back in Matthew 13, they were asking him, tell us about the, the parable of the good seed sown in the field. And so he tells them, well, the good seed is the the righteous people, the people who believe in Jesus, who have followed him. The bad seed are the evil ones, the people who are far from, from Torah. And then it says, the harvest, the harvest isn't the people. The harvest isn't the good people. He didn't say that. He says, the harvest is the end of age. The harvest time is the time of the end of the age. So in, in Revelation 14, start using your sickle to reap because the time to reap has come. In other words, the earth's harvest, and he says the earth's harvest is ripe. Well, then what's he talking about? So he goes on to say in verse 18 and 19, he talks about the sickle that gets swung to, to gather the clusters of grapes from the earth's vine because they are ripe. They are a harvest. This is a harvest of evil. So that's taking place. 
the har- the time of harvest is here, and so the the sickles are swung, the, the, and it. This is exactly what Jesus said. The angels will first go forth, and they will remove every type of evil that is in God's kingdom, and will separate that evil out, so that the righteous shall remain and shine forth like the sun. Now, in in previous messages in the Days of Noah series, we talked about how. When God created the heavens and the earth, He created the earth for man, right? In in verse one or chapter one and two, we see that man was given dominion over the all the earth. The one who got jealous was Satan. And so Satan can't usurp God from his own throne. But what Satan can do is he can take what God has created and given do, and who God has given dominion to, and he can take that person, so Adam, and he can usurp Adam from his throne. Adam was the one given dominion over all the earth. Uh, the Bible says it. So if that's true, if God was the one who created the heavens and the earth, and he created the earth for man to have dominion over, man being Adam, who was the first man, Adam and Eve to have dominion over it, then it was the devil who came along and deceived Adam and Eve out of their inheritance, out of their throne. So devil can't mess with God, but he can mess with you and me, and he can try and do his best to take our inheritance away from us. Well, that's why I think also, and and that's what this is truly about too, whether you believe in a rapture, whether you don't believe in a rapture, it's up to you. Uh, I would encourage you to dive deeper, but what I I don't want to do is I don't want to be like the Jewish people back in the day were when Jesus first came. They were expecting something completely different. They wanted a Messiah to come who would liberate them from foreign oppression. Well, what they didn't understand was what had to happen first. And Jesus said, I come for the lost people of Israel. I come for the lost sheep. I come for the sinners, the people that you're you're denying, the, the underdogs that are out there, the people who are are uh, prostitutes, tax collectors, drunkards, gluttons, you name it backstabbers, liars, those people are the people that I came for. They're the people that I came to minister to and to show who God's love is because it took Noah how long to build that ark and God was so patient with the people who were corrupt to say, turn from your ways, come, I want you to be saved. Understand I'm having this man build this ark because there's a flood coming and he was so patient a hundred years. The Bible says in, in, I believe it's, See the first. It's one of the Peter books, first, second, or third Peter. Um, it talks about how the Lord doesn't. He isn't lazy in His coming. He's He's just He's patiently waiting on you and me. He's patiently waiting on us to turn from our own ways and and to turn and, and follow Jesus. Turn and follow the the Lamb. And you might be stubborn right now. You might be thinking, "Well, you say that, but." But and then and in your heart and your mind you're thinking I am just going to be very rebellious and not follow the Lamb, not follow Jesus. I don't want to believe in Jesus, and the Lord is still going to be patient with you because He loves you. And until you understand what that true love is, that somebody would be willing, somebody who who he has no business taking on your sin, yet he took on your sin. He had no business making you righteous. Because you're evil. Has no business taking the punishment for, for your sin, taking the consequences for your sin. And and let me tell you, it 
Yes, sin has consequences, and we all have consequences for our actions, but we have we don't even come close to experiencing what real consequences we should be experiencing from our sinful nature. We we just don't. From that evil that that tends to be within us, we don't we don't experience the fullness of the consequences of that sin. Why? Because God Himself sent His Son to take on that consequence. He had no business doing that for you. No offense, but you don't deserve that. You know, you might think you're entitled or you might think that you're something special, but you're not. You don't deserve that. I don't deserve that. And yet he did that. That kind of love that, that he sent for us. I mean, wow. And he's so patient. What's, what's worse is that we continue sometimes, there, there are people out there who continue to deny that love. They continue to, because they don't understand it or they don't accept it or whatever, they continue to deny it, and yet God is so, still so patient with us. Like he loves us so much that He wants us. And there are people I know who are called to be saved. There are people who God is pressing into. And, and if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably one of them, is that He's probably pressing into you. And you're probably very, if you haven't accepted Jesus, you're, you're I know where you're at. You're probably being very rebellious. Like, I don't, I want to be independent. I want, I am my own person. I want to be doing this. And um, I'm not ready to accept that love. I'm not ready to accept that. And I pray beyond prayer. I mean, if with all of my might, with all of my heart, I pray that you would experience that love and that it would come into your heart and in your mind so much that Jesus, that you can't help but accept and, and know that that kind of love, because it's amazing. It's not bad. It's not, I know that it takes away from, from your, your selfish ambition, because that's what it is. It's selfish ambition, right? Um, I hate to call out on it and, and it sound very crass, but it is it's selfish. We all have selfish ambition in life to, to go forward and to do things that we want to do. And, and, and I hate to, to kind of uh, impede on that, but man, there's a love that is so far, far more amazing than anything that you could ever accomplish in life. And, and by the end of your life, um, you will have experienced so much more than you could have ever experienced just chasing after your own ambition. So I would urge you, I'm like, I'm seriously urging you, and, and I'm praying that there's something within you that just that causes you to relent that, that hard-heartedness and to experience the love of God. I pray that if you're listening to this, that you will experience that. Um, because that's what's most important. I don't care. And if you are a believer, I don't care if you believe in rapture. I don't care if you don't believe in rapture. It doesn't matter. The point is this. I don't want to be like the Jewish people who didn't see the Messiah because they had something else in their mind. They missed the boat. Kind of like that meme on Facebook, the two unicorns. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Um, the two unicorns who are looking at the ark as the earth is flooding and they look at each other and they're like, oh, that was today? This is why we don't have unicorns, you see. But I don't want to be like that. You know, I don't, I don't want to have such a, a hard heart and a, and a closed off mind 
to what God is trying to do in my life and what God is trying to reveal to me in my life. I don't want to have such a hard heart that I miss the boat and I miss what what was coming. I miss what was supposed to happen. So I'm the whole idea of rapture and all that. I'm challenging your faith. I'm challenging you challenging you to read the scripture to, to dive in a little bit further. But this idea that we could be living through tribulations, we could be living through great tribulation. This idea of that should give us a wake-up call as believers to say, we need to be showing the love of Jesus out there. We need to be showing people who don't know that love and who've never experienced that love. We need to be reflecting that love that's out there. That's what's most important. It doesn't matter you know, whether or not you believe in a rapture. We could get into a debate all day about it. Uh, it's divisive and and probably not worth doing it because it doesn't edify in any way. The only reason I'm bringing again this up is so that you dive further into to the scriptures. You dive further into your faith. This can't just be a Sunday morning club thing. This has to be a a daily living thing. If we're to reflect true love, you know, if true love has been given to us, then we need to give it away too. We need to be able to give that same true love, not just one day a week, but every day of our life. And how do we do that? Well, we build on our faith. How do we build on our faith? We read the word. Faith comes from from hearing and the, and the message comes from the word. So that's what this is all about. And so I would encourage you to do that. I would encourage you to dive further into scripture, to meditate on the word, and, and, and allow God to speak to you on your journey in this life. This life is temporary, but there's an eternal life waiting for you. And that's what this whole series has been about, the days of Noah. Are we living in the days of Noah? Certainly looks like it. Certainly feels like it. Uh, so at any hour, whether it's today, tomorrow, 10 years from now, 100 years from now, that hour is approaching And each day is a day closer. So that hour is approaching. That should spur us on, wake us up to step up in faith and to step out in faith too. So that's my prayer for you guys, that you would step up and step out in faith. And um, if the Lord is calling you to build your own ark, and, and what I don't mean is close yourself off from the world, but to really shore yourself up in faith so that as the floods come, and again, the spiritually speaking, the floods, as the floods come, as the fire comes, whatever you want to call it, that you are standing firm in faith. And not only that, but you're standing firm in the love of God. That's my prayer. And that, that's kind of the end of the story for me. Uh, if, if I died tomorrow, then I, would have, then I would have given you the message on my heart is, is it's time to truly reflect the love of God and the love of Jesus because too many people don't understand it. Too many people haven't experienced it. They're out there, and I believe that they need to experience it too. So I pray that for you. Thank you so much for tuning into this one. Uh, next week we'll be away from Days of Noah series. We've got something new planned for you. So stay tuned for next week a step further. Um, again, if you can make it over here to Ayersville, if you're in the Ayersville area, we'd love to see you on a Sunday morning at 930. If not, um, if you're you know, away and you can't make it over here, if you're across the, the pond, 
if you are, and I'm exponentially thinking here, if you are in like Zimbabwe or if you're in Brazil or if you're in um, Africa, uh, I guess Zimbabwe is Africa. If you're in Asia, you know, you name Russia, how's that? Um, you know, and you're listening, I would love for you to tune in Sunday morning, 930 on Facebook. 930 is Eastern Standard Time in uh, the in the United States. And um, so, yeah, there you go. That was my big, long, shameless plug for tuning in on Sunday mornings. If you can't do that, we'll definitely download our videos to YouTube. And I'm going to shut up now because I've got some things i got to get done this afternoon. And um, I hope to hear from you or see you soon. I love you in the Lord, and we will talk to you soon.